what the what's happened so far in Nehemiah, we're starting to wind it down. The, the wall is built. The job is done. But it was a lot of pain, a lot of heartache along the way. People trying to discourage them, enemies trying to discourage them. Last week, we looked at even their own countrymen, like taking from them, taking their land, causing their sons and daughters to be enslaved to them, even to the point of what we talked about just briefly, daughters being forced into sex trafficking type situations. There, there was a lot of pain that was happening there too. But as they move forward and this task that was before them, the building of the wall, whether they need it or not, it's there now. It's completed. And, and they all get together and they want to be joyful before the Lord. And they decide to, they make this little wooden podium and set it down. And that, that's like we do on, on, you know, sometimes like the old school church thing. The tradition is you had some sort of wooden podium because it goes back to this passage where you'd stand behind it. And the people would hear, it says that they talked about, translate it, the Bible, so that people could understand it. In other words, they had someone translating it and talking about it in a way in which people could understand what God had to say here. And that's what preaching is supposed to be. Whether you're behind a wooden podium or not, or I'm behind this computer or whatever. But, but whatever it is, it's not my thoughts. It's not Nehemiah's thoughts. It's not Ezra's thoughts. It's trying to look at the Bible, translating it, and speaking about it in such a way so that we can have some sort of understanding what's being said here. And as soon as they started talking about it and translating it in a way and talking about it in a way that we can understand what was happening here, the first thing that just flooded all over, the thing that just sort of burst out in this moment of rejoicing because the wall is built, as they hear God's word, what floods over them is grief in this moment. It says they just started weeping, mourning, grieving. Why? Because if you're thinking in terms of success or failure, looking at the Bible isn't really, it's going to, what's it going to bring out? It's going to bring about the side that's been hiding there. That's hiding in the midst of the joy, that sense of failure that's there. And a lot of times people look at this and just think, well, it, it, they're just recognizing their own personal failure. They're not just recognizing their own personal failure here. They're looking at the, the whole corporateness of failure. They're looking at the failure of their fathers, their grandfathers, generations that, that caused them to be in this situation. They're looking at the, the failure and coming back. They're looking at the failure that they just faced that we looked at last week where they were taking from each other and oppressing each other. Yes, they're looking at their own personal failure, but they're just looking at the whole totality of failure as it's whelming over them. And then the only response they have to it is just weeping, mourning, grieving in the face of this failure. And we do the same thing. How could we do anything other than that? And for some of us, what we key in on is different aspects of failure. Sometimes we may just be in a mode, we're just 
plagued with or feeling depressed. We're just, I'm just such a failure. And we may not even want to say that to ourselves, that this is the way it is. But in our mind, that's how we're framing it. It's just, I just feel like such a failure. I'm such a failure. Sometimes we're just so angry with someone else or something. We're just focused on their failure. These people just keep failing me. Sometimes, we're, you know, as we're looking at Mother's Day, Father's Day, why are those sort of emotional? Because we're looking at what, what kind of failures there are. And, and as all this is bringing out is, however it is we want to frame it, whether it's focused on ourselves, focused on other people, focused on the people, it's real. <laughs> Failure is there. And our response is to mourn, to go into grieving over that. But Nehemiah does something very interesting. He just says, no, right off the bat. He doesn't give them any time to go down that road. They start running down that road because that's what we're used to. And he says, whoa, what, what, what's happening? Stop, he says. Don't talk anymore. Stop weeping. Stop crying. Stop talking about this. Stop going down this road. Because what's happening right now is holy. This moment is holy. And he says the reason why it's holy is because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Is he saying that there's no reason to mourn? No, he's not saying that. He doesn't say that anywhere. What he's saying is, is yeah, the Bible's bringing out our failure. It's true. It's reality. And so we think, well, the only way we can, the only place we find reality is in our grief, because we're just being real here. He says, no, no that, that's not being real. That's tunnel vision. You're just looking at one little slice of things, one aspect of life, of, the, of everything. You're looking at it and you're thinking, that's my only place where I'm finding something real. Well, why is it that that's the only place where we find something real? Because we just keep insisting that everything has to be framed within success or failure. And if we're framing everything as success or failure, then as it turns out, the only reality in that world is, is if we're looking at failure, because most of the success that we're looking at just isn't real. It's fake. But he says, life isn't framed that way. That's not the way God's looking at it. If you're going to ask God, am I a successor? When, when people come to Jesus and they say, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? How can I have a relationship with God? How can I be with God? How can I be with each other? If you're good, I need to be good. This, this success-failure mechanism is the path, is the strength to that. And Jesus says, well, if that's the way you want to frame things, then I just need to tell you, why are you calling me good? There's no one good but God alone. If that's the way... You guys want to frame things, then okay, you know, but the answer is failure. The answer is grief. God never wanted to go there. God created us in the garden and just said, I enjoy being with you. You are joyful to me. Don't eat of that tree at the knowledge of good. Don't go down that path. I don't want to go there with you. I just enjoy being with you. But no. 
We had to eat of that tree. We constantly have to frame things in terms of what's success, what's failure. And God just says, well, what am I supposed to do if you're insisting that it be framed that way? Then, yeah, all we have then is grief to look at. All we have is hell on earth. All we have is eternity in hell. All we have is just grief, 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 failure, failure, failure. But he said, that's not where I'm at. That's not where your strength is at. He said, the strength is in the joy of the Lord. What is the joy of the Lord? The joy of the Lord is us. He takes joy in us. And that's our strength. In other words, that's the make it or break it issue. And what happened? You know, is that real? Yes, that's real. We have more to look at. If we want to just look at success or failure, then all we have that's real to look at is probably failure. But if we want to look at the whole picture, the whole picture is that God's saying, well, okay, you're a failure. But I mean, I knew you were a failure. I knew that's the direction it was going to go. That's why I told you not to eat of that tree and to go down that road. But whatever, I gave you the freedom. You did it. It's like, but that doesn't change anything. I still enjoy being with you. I still take joy in you. And I'm still going to come down from heaven and I'm going to become one of you. When it says, you know, even though we were sinners, Jesus died for us. What is that? Is that just words? It's God saying, look, what, what do you think? Jesus didn't know that we were going to kill him? Jesus knew we were going to kill him if he gave us any ounce of freedom. The only reason why he wasn't killed earlier, there wasn't the only reason why Jesus wasn't killed at birth or even before birth was because God just didn't allow us to do what it is we wanted to do. He didn't allow Herod to do what Herod wanted to do. There was many times when Jesus was walking around and they were going to kill him and he just walked through their midst. God just didn't allow them. But when God finally just said, look, I'm just going to, I'm going to let you do what you want to do. Boom. Crucified Jesus on the cross. God knew what we would do, but God still wants to be with us. God still takes joy in us. And, and why would God give Jesus back to us, raise him from the dead and give him back to us? Why would God say, I'm going to, the Holy Spirit, a part of me is going to come and dwell inside of you. Is it because all of a sudden we're a success now? No, on the scale of success or failure, we're still just as much of a failure as we've always been. But God's saying, look, that's the way you're framing it. But I take joy in you. You are my joy. And, you know, I don't want you to be, I don't want it to be like that, but it being like that doesn't change anything in terms of my heart towards you, in terms of my joy towards you. And that is something that's real. That's a real thing that can be calculated in. And that's why we see here, it says, you know, the, the people, they understood the words. And then the next verse, verse 13, it says, they gathered together that they might gain insight into. This is what the gospel is. It's the joy of the Lord is our strength. Our strength is not success or failure. Our strength is not eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Our success is not about framing everything like this. 
our success, our strength is insofar as we see the joy of the Lord, us as the joy of the Lord, us, God looking at us and saying, this is very, very good. On Mother's Day, seeing this is beautiful is what God was saying. This is holy. This, not this over here, not our evaluations of success or failure. That's not holy. Not us grieving because we finally, since the time of Joshua, we're going to look at, they haven't heard anything, even in this simple tradition. It's like just because we finally come to some sort of realization that there's failure in the world, it's not like, oh, all of a sudden now we're playing. No. That's it. This is what's holy. What's holy is the joy of the Lord. And what's holy is that God takes joy in us. Wherever it is we want to label ourselves over here. If we want to label ourselves as a success, whatever. If we want to label ourselves as a failure, we want to label this person, this, that community, this. Whatever we want to label over here, God's giving us the freedom to just label away. We can go ahead and just calculate out, generalize over everyone, dice everyone up into some sort of label and put a value on them. He's giving us the freedom. That's the choice we decided in the garden. Instead of just a naming people with a name of beauty, we want to name people with a label of good and evil. He's let us do that. But he says, hey, there's something. Yeah, that's real. <laughs> that's going on. But he says, there's something else that's real that I'm doing. I'm real too. My feelings are real too. What God is thinking is true also. What God is feeling is true also. What God is doing in the world and in our lives is true also. And he says, take a look at this. And if we see that the joy of the Lord is our strength, rather than this as our strength, what that does is saying, this is misery, this is grief, but what's this? Here's how he defines this. He says, go eat of the fat. Now, you have to understand fat was a good thing back then. Not, you know, whatever. It was the good part of the meat. It was the most delicious part. It, it still is that today, but we just may not see it that way. I remember my grandfather would cut off his steak, and the first thing he would eat was the big fat portion. I don't know why. Eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and then says, Send portions to him who has nothing prepared. Well, well, over here we want to label things as here's a person who's prepared, and here's the people who are not prepared. He says, fine, however you want to label it. You got your prepared people, you got your unprepared people. But let's live over here instead in the joy of the Lord. And what is the joy of the Lord? It's that he loves being with us. He takes joy in us, even though we're a complete failure. And even though we're completely unprepared, he is constantly preparing everything for us and sharing his joy with us. And so if we want to respond, we don't have to. But if we want some sort of response, there is no other response, if we're going to be thinking in terms of the joy of the Lord, than to just say, oh, well, then let's go eat what God's given us. Let's go enjoy 
all the things that got, and, and if it looks like someone for whatever reason is on this unprepared side of little, so what? Yeah, I got some here, you eat with me. You know, I'll pay the bill. I don't care. Let's just hang out together. Who cares what this is over here? Let's just have some joy together. Let's just take joy in each other as God takes joy in us and we take joy in God. Let's just consume what the joy, everything that God has given us. Let's just have fun here together. But what that requires is, it says here that they come to an understanding, they gain insight. The Bible talks about this gospel as transforming our mind. We have to let it transform our mind. We can't just be tunnel vision. If we're just looking at things and labeling them in terms of success and failure, that's a tunnel vision. We're ignoring everything about God over here. But if we open our mind up to the truth of what God is doing to this gospel, that God takes joy in us, then that will change not just our grief to joy, but it'll change the way we look at things. It'll change our understanding of the Bible. It'll change our understanding of the way we've chosen to frame different situations in our life. We just constantly enjoy framing things in this way. I'm a failure, or I'm a success. This person's a failure, or this is a success, or this method is a success, or this method is a failure. We love to frame things in that type way, but that's not being real. That's narrow. And the truth is, it's really just about seeing that it's all a failure. But he says, open our minds to the joy of the Lord. That the joy of the Lord is our strength. And now look at things. And what do we see now? Now we don't see people prepared, people unprepared. Now we just see, oh, let's eat together. <laughs> let's have fun. Let's just, you know, whatever. I got two sandwiches. I'm going to give it to you. You know, let's just eat together. That's the most important thing. That's what we really want. This other part here, the labels that we put up, that's not the path to what we want. That's not our strength. The path to what we want, the strength is this attitude, the way that God views things where, look, you've made yourself out to be my enemy. To be honest, I still want to eat with you. I still enjoy hanging out with you. I still take joy from you. You've killed me on the cross, but I still enjoy you. It just is the way it is. I just enjoy. That's the path God's taking. It could be our path if we want it to. It doesn't have to be. But he's just saying this path certainly isn't going to take us where we want. But, well, maybe this path will. A path of graciousness. A path of generosity. He's not just talking about being generous and giving in terms of money. He's not just talking about sharing a sandwich. He's talking about generosity in, every, in our conversations. Generosity in our judgments of people. Be generous to people. Quit just labeling them as, as unprepared. Get, give them some, just be generous with it. Why even go there? Be generous with that. Be generous with our graciousness. Be generous with our mercy. Be generous with our giving. 
that's what God is to us. That might be a different path. And what God is saying is, as it turns out, this is the only path. If the end is, we just want to hang out with someone other than ourselves. This is the only path. If we want to enjoy the joy of whatever life we have, if we want to enjoy anything that we have with God, with others, this is the only path. This is the only strength. The story ends with them doing this feast at the booth, which is basically, as I had mentioned, it's a tradition that God had asked them to remember. He set up some traditions, as every father, mother might do, set up traditions. Maybe we eat dinner at the table. Maybe every year we do this or that, or we have these memories in our mind that are some sort of recollection that we, you know, oftentimes they're things we don't take joy in, but, but the, to the extent that we have joy with each other, these little traditions end up coming out. Well, this tradition ended up happening as they pulled out of Egypt, and they all lived in tents as they went. And then as they first came into the land, Joshua, they recognized this. And then the tradition just faded. It no longer had value to them. And that's the way traditions are. They'll have value for one generation and then generations after. There's no value in that. But why is it? Partly because of the pain, maybe, but partly is we stop valuing whatever it is that tradition was valuing. What's this tradition that they're looking at? Here's the tradition. It's crazy to think about. It's no different than for them. When they first went into the land, every single person had a house, had property. What did we see last week? Well, a lot of people didn't have property anymore, didn't have a house anymore. And was that society? It was the fault of their brothers and sisters half the time, that they were taking their property away so that more and more people weren't having a house to live in anymore. They celebrated it at first when everyone had a house. And now that there's been this inequality that's developed because of what we do to each other, it no longer is becoming that fun of a thing. Imagine what things would be like. Here's the tradition. Everybody in the whole nation, the whole city, leaves their house, their property, goes out and lives on the street for, I think it was like a week. It might be two weeks. I, I can't remember. But like a week at least. Let's just say a week. <laughs> what would that look like if here in Oakland... The mayor came down and lived on the street for a week, lived down in Oakland, just like everybody else that's living down there, just like lots of people are living in their car or living on the street. What if everybody lived like that for a week? What if every single public official had to come out and live there for a week? What if every single police officer had to live there for a week? What if the president of the United States had to live on the street for a week? Every year that had to happen. What if every uber billionaire you could possibly imagine had to for a week come just live with everyone on the street and live and eat and share and laugh? Take joy 
in this moment of just being together, letting go of everything else, all that has been accumulated, all the, the trappings of what's a success, who's in power, who's not, who's everything. Just let go of it all for one week and just have fun together. The president of the United States, someone on the street comes over, gives the president a sandwich. And the president's on, whoa, that sandwich tastes so good. Person's like, yeah, I, I found it yesterday. Well, what if we all did that? Would it change anything? No, probably not. But it would be fun to see. I mean, the hope is maybe it would realign our thoughts. It probably wouldn't. But it would still be fun to see. But it also highlights why you'll never see it. But all of a sudden, you did see it. What's going on here? What it's saying is, is look, out of all the things we're going to mourn and we've all the things successful, all of this, if we start eating together and drinking together, sharing, being giving to each other, that's the birthplace of wonderful traditions that have value. But if we're going to put in this success and failure business, who has and who hasn't, who's prepared and who's not, that's going to tear down every tradition of value and make it valueless, make it despised. As we approach Father's Day, What if we built a new tradition? There's just about us getting together. Maybe in some sort of fashion, let's just leave everything that we've got that's going on out there and just meet in a neutral place in the park and just eat together. Share whatever it is we have to share. Just take joy. We're talking about 4th of July, same thing. What is there to celebrate about 4th of July? Not much when you look at it over here. You would be celebrating, you know, it, we want to see it as a set. No, if the truth is reigned, you know, what we'd see is just what we'd see for everything, failure. But what if we're just setting our houses, setting everything, all the, the mess that we've created over here, and we just get together, eat, drink, share, be generous, take joy. Take the joy of the Lord as our strength. Take the joy of the Lord as transforming our minds. Allow the joy of the Lord to open our eyes to see things in a new way. That's going to build, hopefully, some things where we say, man, that was fun. I, I enjoyed that. That's what I'm looking for. Let's do that again. Uh, on Easter, when we did, almost everybody that I talked to said, this just feels good. I don't know why this feels good, but this just feels good. Can we do it again? So we've done it again. It's becoming a tradition, but is it a tradition based on we just really love these holidays? No, it's a tradition, whatever the tradition is, just based on we all got together and for whatever reason, it felt good. As we start church up thinking about, well, are we going to, you know, we've been on Zoom. Are, are we going to get together in person regularly? So we start moving towards that. Well, what is that? 
church on Sunday is a tradition. Is it a tradition that everyone values? No, not really. For good reason or bad, for, for whatever reason. But if we're going to do it, let's not do it just because it's this tradition that we're trying to force to have happen. Let's only do it if we actually enjoy hanging out with each other. If we enjoy hanging out with each other, if we enjoy eating, drinking, spending time with each other, if we're willing to be generous with each other, if we're willing to be somewhat giving, then, man, wouldn't that be kind of nice to do it once a week? As we think through this summer, where it is we're going as a church? Where it is Tribe Inc. is going? Where it is that we're all going? Let's try and think of what is the joy of the Lord? And if the Lord takes joy in me, as a failure, as a sinner, as in a taker, as in someone who's unprepared, but the Lord is preparing for me. The Lord is giving to me. The Lord doesn't, he just says, I just like you. And I'm sad that you always do all this stuff, but I still love you. As we saw on Mother's Day, that's what God's word was to us. I see you as beautiful. I take joy in you. Once a month, that would be great if that's what it's about. Once a week, that would be great. Every day would be great. So we think through, let's think through things in terms of the gospel defined as the joy of the Lord is our strength. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you for bursting into our lives with your joy. Help us to grab a hold of that. Help us to accept it. Help us to have faith in that. Help us to trust in that. Help us to see it as our refuge. And somehow, give us success enough to be able to Share with whoever it is that we think is unprepared. Help us to be, to be successful in being giving to each other. Open our hearts up. Give that to us so that we can join into the joy of the Lord. We ask this all in your name, Jesus. Amen.